in the criminal justice system. Unstable isotope-based offenses are considered especially heinous. The men and women who watch films about these crimes are part of a special unit called the Every Horror Movie on Netflix podcast. These are their stories. It's Every Horror Movie on Netflix. I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. And we're back with another episode watching a movie chosen for us by the Wheel of Death. Our friend. Our silent partner. Our lover. Sometimes. And what did the what did the Wheel of Death choose for us? Well, you know, we loaded it up with with Netflix and Chills movies, which is Netflix's new category for spooky movies you might want to watch during the spooky season. Uh, but instead, we got a police procedural. Yeah, very <laughs> misleading. Netflix and Chills. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are horror moments in this movie, but it's not it's not a horror movie. It's it, made by a horror director, though. Yeah. Uh, um, what else I did he s- do? Uh, he did uh, We Are What We Are, which I haven't seen, but I, I recognized the poster immediately when I looked him up. But he directed Stakeland, which is a kind of modern mm. vampire apocalyptic sort of bromance movie that I really liked, actually. Hmm. So he's got he's got horror credentials, but no, this is not a horror movie. Yeah, how many movies are in this like Netflix and Chills category? I still have yet to see this like show up on netflix i've heard you guys talk about it i knew that's what we were drawing from but i still have not actually like seen it pop up anywhere i don't know to what extent it's actually present and visible on netflix i think i've seen the category on my browser it was an announcement they put out but it's not like you can search for netflix and chills on netflix Mm -hmm. they don't have like a subcategory however included in it was in the tall grass based on the stephen king joe hill novella which i'm still really curious to see i I, keep seeing the little trailer for that how was it i saw it it's uh it's a solid cue it okay it's absolutely fascinating it leaves a lot of major questions unanswered. It probably works better as a work of short fiction. I think it was serialized in Esquire over three issues uh, several years ago. Um, but I had a good time with it. Patrick Wilson gives a a, a rollicking performance. Nice. As always. Yeah, as always. He, he goes way over the top in the most believable possible way. And it's a movie that tries to make tall grass scary. I yeah, that's my, what I was fascinated by was just that basic concept because most of it takes place in tall grass, right? Right. It's like these characters uh, um, are lured into this space on the side of the road in the middle of the country in uh, at the the epicenter of the contiguous United States, where, wherever that is. I don't remember what state it's in, and they're they're sort of lured into this like timeless space where they kill each other over and over and over again hmm. until they achieve the will of the tall grass and it's directed by the guy who did cube which i saw back in the 90s and he knows how to use like a small space and make it into something larger hmm. where you're like repeating the same sort of spatial motifs over and over again so it feels like something bigger but really it's just one set so i enjoyed it it's a mess again it leaves a lot unanswered but it's a good time it's what, quite what different the- quite different from the movie we watched today which does not for the most part take place in the shadow of the moon you know I, but that's I, what we watch i think during this present environmental crisis we don't need movies that disparage tall grass I think we need more tall grass lawns are an ecological nightmare google it if you don't believe me we need tall grass wildflowers natural space i've never seen grass this tall the grass in this movie is like 
10 feet tall. It's sequestering it's like, a shit like ton of carbon. Stocks. It's sequestering so much carbon. I and now when people, people are going like, to see this movie. Does grass really grow like this? People are going to see this fucking movie and they're going to say, look at that tall grass sequestering that carbon. I need to slash it down and burn it to keep my children safe. Yeah, that sounds likely. That's very problematic. Well, what were the other selections in Netflix and Chill? I don't know, and they're adding more. Um, Scream, Scream Two was one of them, right? Yeah, there's some, there's some movies that are but originals, not originals, I mean, originals in the Tall Grass. The one with Sam Worthington in the hospital, Haunting at Silver Falls, The Return, Haunting at Silver Falls, The Return, which I'm very excited about. Uh, maybe I'll pick it. I which pick this you know, which demonizes our waterfalls in a way that's you know really unhealthy it in this time of climate crisis. Demonizes putting a ring on that you found in the forest. <laughs> oh man, that's giving me some <laughs> yeah. Throwbacks. What do you think about that, Beyonce? <laughs> I, had, I had completely forgotten about everything about that movie, uh, other than the two little kids. Yeah, but in the, in the school sh- bus or getting on the school bus, right? Don't remember that. Oh fuck. Okay. In the Shadow of the Moon, though, I feel like we've seen this before on Netflix movies, where it seems like whoever sorted the movie into a category watched the first five minutes and said, oh, this is a horror movie, and then didn't watch because the Because in the, the first five minutes, it is. Yeah, first five minutes are horrifying. They throw these movies in multiple genre categories. We've talked about this, and they'll throw it in all those categories because they want to pat them all out. They want no, more shit in each category. Let me, let, let's be real about this. Chris, perhaps you've done the research. Is this movie actually tagged as horror? on Netflix. Let me let me <laughs> because oh. I have my doubts. Please please hold. I have my doubts. I mean, there are movies that are in multiple categories. There are, I've but I it. doubt that horror is actually a tag for this movie. It looks like it's sort of as dramas and crime dramas. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I would add sci-fi. Yeah, it's a sci-fi movie for sure. SF, if you're cool. SF. <laughs> yeah, I don't if you're know. Nasty. Uh, not really a horror movie. So that's all we got to no. say about. It. Bye, guys. That's a great episode. We're done. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we might as well review it, I guess, because people need, you know, they want to hear our our smooth voices this week. Mm -hmm. So, and we're not going to talk about Joker, sadly. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't seen it yet. Don't know if I plan to. Now there's a horror film. Steven would would screw Joker. You don't know that. Yeah, I do. I mean, you <laughs> you and I, Chris, would both screw Joker. So maybe not. But all right, we're not talking about Joker. We're talking about just for the record, I screw Joker with pre- in, prejudice. In the shadow of the moon. This actually, this movie has some similarities to Joker that we'll get into. In the shadow of the moon, what do we have? Basically, we got a cop. Basically, it's the Terminator. Yes, you can draw a lot of parallels to a lot of different movies in this. This reminds me of the Terminator for sure. We got a cop who wants to become a detective. There's some strange murders going on where uh, victims of of many several different classes are bleeding out through every imaginable orifice. Yeah. Well, um, not every imaginable. Well, well, and, yeah. The one, I mean, the ones there, that, there might be stuff we don't see. Their brains screen. are actually being liquefied. Their brains are being liquefied. Uh, we got eyes, we got nose, we got mouths and ears bleeding. But you wouldn't which know. Does leave a few extra orifices. You wouldn't. That we're know. not sure what's going on down there. Yeah. But there's a series of murders going on in the same night. There's a, a concert pianist. There's a, a a fry cook. Who's the other one? Bus driver. A bus driver. And we've got a uh, Boyd Holbrook. Oh God, sexy Boyd Boyd Holbrook. Uh, you may son- remember him from Run All Night, where he played an Uber driver. Son of or ha- from Logan, where he played the villain. 
son of Hal Holbrook, one of my favorite actors. Is he? Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. I respect him a lot more now. Yeah, I wish too. this movie starred Hal Holbrook. <laughs> I think he's dead. Um, Doesn't matter. I could look it up, but I'm not sure. But yeah, all um, these people just start spontaneously fucking bleeding. And in, in what is, I would say, a pretty effective early scene in the film, like these, uh, I think the opening scene of the film, these five, four or five different people are intercut, like all... Uh, starting to bleed and like collapse while doing their jobs. Like this fry cook ends up with his face just like cooking on a fucking just yeah. like searing on the range. On the, yeah, yeah amazing. As he bleeds out. It's I'm, a it's a disconcerting scene, and that was one of the points where I was like, oh okay, well yeah, I guess this is a horror movie, but it's one of the few like horror ish scenes. Yeah, and and the premise, as we soon come to find out, is all these murders are being committed by uh, there's an apparent perpetrator um, who returns every nine years to commit these acts. And we follow our characters in nine year increments as the murders return and they return. And she knows something about our central character, the Boyd Holbrook character. She announces to him, I think in the second wave of her coming back, she tells him things about his life that she couldn't possibly know if she weren't, from the future. Yeah, I mean, all right, let's just say it's obvious that she's from the fucking future. You're right, from from from, from the get go. Yeah. It's clear that she's from I the didn't I, did, I didn't think. The right? movie wants to the movie wants assumption. to try and uh, like make that seem like a mystery, but I've seen enough movies to know immediately like, oh, she's from the future. This is the fucking terminator all Yeah, over and you again. mentioned the terminator. It's especially easy to make that assumption when you when the movie looks so much like the Terminator and has 1980s cop cars and oh, it's like a James streets. Cameron love fest. Yes, I, lo- I really enjoy actually. <laughs> so of course I loved it. <laughs> I did not see any of this. I didn't see it coming that she was from the future. I don't. I mean, I guess I see the Terminator parallel, but I think that's pretty surface level. And I didn't see a it's lot not of James Cameron it's, vibe. I mean, it would be hard to get into spoilers without explaining how that's not surface level. So maybe we should table that for now. Yeah. All right. Sure. But um, but yeah, our our hero is a a a brash young cop. Um, I don't know if he exactly wants to be detective as much as he loves the thrill of doing detective work. That's fair. Um, because his foil throughout the movie is Michael C. Hall, who I I couldn't place his. He's face. almost unrecognizable. I couldn't place his God bless. face. He looked like. Um, he looked like like Bill Hader or something. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and that, that's his his brother in law, right? Michael yes. C. Hall plays Boyd Holbrook's brother in law in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And they've got this very tense relationship where like, like it's clear that Boyd Holbrook is like kind of a fuck up who's like you know just got a little bit too much energy for the job and wants to climb up. And his brother in law knows like the fraught relationship that he has with his wife and doesn't want him to. He's tr- he's trying to keep him in check essentially. Even though he knows that Boyd Holbrook is on to something that might be uh, I, what? I, well, I didn't read it as him knowing about a fraught relationship. I didn't think that the relationship with the wife was fraught at all. I just thought that this guy's an ambitious career guy who's about to be detective or he is detective and he's being one upped and undercut all the time by this hothead young cop who just is in it for the thrills. That's fair. And 
Boyd Holbrook, which I wish I could remember his actual character's name instead of referring to the actor. Lockhart. Okay. Tom Lockhart. Lock- Lockhart. Okay. Lock. Lockhart is like clearly. Come like, on, Lock. I got a little stressed out in the in like the opening sequence of this film. I was like, oh my god, like dude, this is way above your station. Yeah. Like you are going way out of line to try and connect <laughs> these murders together. No wonder, like somebody superior to you would be upset that you're doing this. He's a beat cop, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm here for like crowd control." But oh hey, let me let me borrow those gloves. Yeah, let me let me poke this brain. Oh right. yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing all that. And then you know, there's a few lines where it's like, "I don't see your detective badge," and he's like, "Give me the gloves. I'm poking this brain." Have we described the murder weapon yet? It's it's like you know, a generic alien puncture device. Glow stick. Yeah, glow stick. Thing. Right. It's like a like leaves a light, little... lightsaber handle. And it leaves three little little dots, puncture marks. little puncture marks in the back of the neck, mm-hmm. and then your brain dissolves and pours out. So that's Some sometimes how I feel watching these movies. <laughs> <laughs> I so, I, talking about the brother-in-law and the and the and Lockhart and their relationship, of course, makes me think about the wife. And as soon as I saw the wife. Like, you almost see her giant fake pregnant belly before you even see her. And I was just like, oh, God. I just am so tired of the, like, pregnant wife trope. Because you just know, at the very least, she's she's not going to make it. At the very (laughs) least, she's going to be put into extreme jeopardy. And her only point, only purpose... And the baby's only purpose is to be put in extreme jeopardy, which turns out to be true. She dies in fucking childbirth. Yeah, that's true. In like the first half hour of the movie. There's no development of their relationship. We don't understand like what he's like when he's with her, except when he makes her breakfast in the morning and he's rushing to work. Like she exists solely so that we can understand how sad he is after she dies. That's Mm -hmm. really upsetting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if I have one complaint with the movie... I have a couple complaints with the movie, but my, my primary complaint with the movie is that all the character work was very, very thin. Some of that I thought was fine because this is like a, a pulpy kind of noir movie. Uh, and it, 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 re- it leans a lot on cliches and characters are kind of talking and in, in tropes for most of the movie. And I'm like, okay with that. Let's, I'll, I'll lean into that. But yeah, the, the I could not connect to this movie on really an emotional level because I didn't, I really didn't give a fuck about any of the characters throughout. It's almost there; you could almost do some stuff, but they just didn't take the time to develop these relationships. I, I agree. Like we have a we have the Boyd Holbrook character is one who is um, obsessed with this crime or these crimes and the way they're repeated time and time again every nine years and still the only thing that changes about him is his facial hair (laughs) like his performance doesn't change his accent drops in and out like somehow this is set in philadelphia but he has a southern accent half the time and i don't know enough about him and his inner life there's never a scene where we see him alone just enjoying himself for me to be able to relate to who he is I didn't uh, one I didn't hear a southern accent two I did like Holbrook's performance I don't I think he may be a little too young to play this character who we see over the span of what 30 years in the course of the movie <laughs> I thought about that because it's like you know we're all waiting with bated breath on the Irishman which is you know the next big yeah. Netflix original <laughs> film that spans 30 years and they de-aged yeah. all these characters and it's like these guys just said hey we're gonna make a, a, a movie that spans generations and we're gonna do no work 
work in aging. Oh, these okay. If, no, if, no, no. I okay, if the way I that. age I over the next do, I think they do a decent amount of work with that. I mean, there's some makeup, there's some hair stuff, yeah. and it's good enough. And it's I, I appreciated enough. the ambition of the script and that they did a decent amount of work as far as changing things up with the, the vehicles and the clothing and, and other elements of the makeup and hair to actually make it look like time was passing. It was, it was good enough. It wasn't, you know, Irishman, or it wasn't like... Like Captain America looks at the end of Endgame, like that's well done, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's not that level. But it was good enough to me. Uh, my feeling is, if <laughs> if over the next thirty years, the only signs of my aging are that my beard gets longer, I'm down with that. <laughs> and you're drinking more alcohol. Oh well, not that. Yeah, he gets he goes pretty hardcore after a while. Yeah. But like the only change in him is that his hair gets longer and his beard gets longer. Like he doesn't look older other than that and i found it to be a very bizarre choice i was kind of anxious from the beginning like i knew the movie opens in like 2026 yeah that's an important detail we should talk about maybe and so i knew that we were going to like bridge that gap from the beginning of this film and see this character age that much and i didn't really see that much aging going on beyond like the incredibly easy superficial route of having more facial hair yeah. which his daughter comments on it but but i agree with patrick that that's a nitpick like it i noticed it and i was like ha that's cute that they're not really trying but i it, i was like this is good enough this is all we need and it's not getting in the way of the story i'll second that i mean i i, I have to say i was enthralled by this movie <laughs> Oh. Like I saw points where I could nitpick it, but I they didn't really bother me all that much. They didn't get in the way of the story this movie is trying to tell. And I thought Holbrook gave a, gave a good performance. I mean, yeah, I guess. Wait, wait, which one? You said the the character work was kind of thin. Was that you? I said that I Chris, thought the, the, yeah. the characters were were thinly developed. For the yeah, I second that. And it might not be in the writing so much, but I, I thought Holbrook did a good job. He he creating a character that felt real and at least semi-compelling to me you know again good enough i guess yeah he's a good actor i mean he was honestly the best thing about the predator movie oh god which i don't know if you guys have seen that i saw it i saw it that's a film (laughs) (laughs) it's not a great film but he really stood out in there like he's he's a pretty good actor who did he play in i mean the same character everybody played in that like generic military person yeah exactly yeah the performances, I had no problem with the performances. I thought almost all the performances were very good. Uh, it's just the substance of the characters and who they are. And like, so, I mean, the premise of this movie is we have a cop who is obsessed with these very bizarre murders that happened in 1988 the same night that his wife died in childbirth while he was out working the case. And he's kind of haunted by that. And every nine years it's coming around again. And every nine years he's like, I got to find out what's going on. I got to stop this time traveling assassin. But we don't know what the fuck he does the other 364 days of the year (laughs) or or, or the other eight years in between. You know, we can assume that he's just like looking over his newspaper clippings on the floor of his apartment for nine years well, straight he loses his job at some point he's no longer a detective yeah but but we don't really get a sense of who this guy is another movie i thought of that kind of did this much better um zodiac 
Yeah, kind of, kind of the idea of this this ve- this killer that's out there, and how these cases can kind of consume you and fuck up your per- personal life. Well, yes, but Zodiac is a movie about obsession, and and it is a study of that character. This is more just kind of standard genre fare. It's just trying to spin like an interesting kind of collision of the sci-fi and serial killer genres. It's not trying to do a particularly deep character study. I don't mm. care what this guy is doing the other three hundred sixty-four days of the year, mm. and we get plenty of sense of how he's changed in between the nine years each time it jumps forward yeah. we get enough but like i i agree if you want that kind of movie see zodiac this movie yeah. is very like i would fair. not this <laughs> movie that, is this movie is i a would snack. not recommend uh, yeah it's a snack i would not recommend this and not in the sense of like ooh, he's a snack but yeah it's a well boyd holbrook is quite a snack but it's, <laughs> it's junk food well i we'll put it that. actually not, it's a little more than junk food actually. it's well it, done. it winds I mean, up being sort really, of substan- substantive in the end it's well directed and it aspires to something substantive i don't think it succeeds because it is kind of a a not a tonal mess but a thematic mess yeah you end up with a theme in the end that kind of requires you to have a a deeper understanding of who this character is, I think. And I never felt like I knew this guy. I didn't either. I was, like, you know? happy to drop in on him. Yeah, Even though sure. he's kind of a fucked up character. But uh, ultimately, this movie, like, I mean, spoiler, though we'll get deep into this. Um, but I think I can say this without actually spoiling anything. This movie relies way too much on, like, narrative exposition to, like, tie everything together. mm and that's that's. I, I, very I, I feel like you get that in a time travel movie, though. Like the the Terminator has plenty of like they're in the drain pipe or whatever, and he's like, "All right, let me let me tell you, we're halfway through the movie. I'm gonna lay it all out." You can do it succinctly. This movie, like, there's like long stretches of exposition. There's like a full like seven or eight minutes at the end of this where like everything is explained to you. Yeah, that's yeah, lazy. You're not wrong. Mm. Seven or eight minutes. Well, yeah, I, I, I rewatched the end of it today, and it's a it's a long stretch of like, holy fuck! There's that much of like, let's try and tie this all together and make it seem like it's more important than it seemed to be to begin with. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it needed to have something. It needed to it attempt needed it. that. It could have been more skillfully done. Of, of course. It looks great. The movie looks great. It looks big. I it mean, looks this feels huge. like a big movie. Like I, I often have reticence about end films, <laughs> <laughs> as we can officially call them now. End films. I often have reticence about like them. Oh, you mean like, Netflix films? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not end films. No, but they're called end films now. Yeah. Um, right. Because clearly they adopted our meme. <laughs> yes. They heard us. They've been listening. And. I often have reticence about them seeming kind of cheap looking like these are movies that like would never have been bought by a major studio. This movie looks and feels pretty big. I was really impressed with it. This movie actually like especially for this director who I've seen a couple of his films. This is a step forward for him. This is like the most like scope any of his films have had so far. There are some you know one thing that stood out to me in particular was the car chases. There are some nice car chases or well i mean the bus crashing bus scene at the beginning is not exactly a car chase but it's still a nicely put together big budget looks great yeah and there and the actual car chase that happens later in the film is exciting and 
clearly put together like you can actually tell what's happening yeah and that's actually now that you mentioned it i didn't appreciate that but that's hard to do and we've seen a lot of movies where there's a chase and you're just sitting waiting for the chase to get over so you can get on with the story no this Except- is this film is actually like i would argue it's structured around these chases and they're all exceptionally well handled i enjoyed them thoroughly i don't often enjoy car chases in movies even some of the classic ones. Um, yeah, car chases, connection. car chases like, are hard to do. good car chase really, really cuts me deep. Except yeah. for the one cut in the cha- with the scene where uh, Lockhart is chasing the killer on a motorcycle. And they're in a warehouse for like an odd period of time. Like she drives her motorcycle into a warehouse. <laughs> and they're, he's just sitting there. He doesn't know where she is. He's just sitting in his truck in the warehouse, like looking around like, where is she? And then she comes back out and drives out of the warehouse again. And he's like chasing her and he's reversing out of the warehouse at high speed mm-hmm. and the next shot is then him coming out of the warehouse driving straight ahead no longer <sighs> reversing it's like you need like a shot of him just like peeling out and turning this car around yeah. it's, it's a little messy at times it was but, jarring i rewound it it's yeah ultimately i think for like a director who's only made very small independent movies jumping to this big of a budget and this like wide of a scope in terms of like world building Pretty successful. I was yeah. impressed. Mm-hmm. It, it looks great, even if I had problems with the characterization and the narrative. I was shocked that, like, you know, the second title card takes us to 1988. And I'm like, well, this is going to look like shit. No, it doesn't look like shit at all. It looks great. It looks like 1988. Well, especially that it goes from this extremely cryptic opening shot of 2024, just like absolute chaos. The streets are on fire. There's a weird American flag that has only five stars from it, like falling oh, from that. the yeah. sky. Oh, it's it's, yeah, prominent it's prominent in the shot. There's a burning, I don't remember it, I guess. Burning American flag falling from the sky. And this visual, well, actually, I shouldn't say it. That, that, that's that's It's revisited later The opening on, shot, I think the movie is weaker for. And I, guess, I don't think we can talk about that without going into the spoiler round. I have I, problems with it as well. So. I, I think I would have enjoyed this movie more if I hadn't seen that opening shot. It is an especially jarring shift to that 1988 title card, though, when you have just a single scene, single opening shot in 2024, and then you go back to 1988. It's like, what are we doing here? And then we're building up throughout, you know, every nine years throughout the whole movie, and like, how the fuck do we get there? Let me, everything is on mm-hmm. fire and falling let, apart. Let me put it this mm-hmm. way. Let me put it this way. Um, we are ahead of the investigators for a large part of this movie. For sure. Where we know what's going on and they don't. And that's never fun to watch. And Do I think we? how so? Well I okay. Because this, I think that I, opening scene speaks to motive of agreed. our time traveling assassin, where it's real easy to put the pieces together, especially if you've seen the Terminator. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> like the whole time I'm like, well, clearly she's traveling through time. And then like yeah. this keeps going on for over an hour and you find out what it's about later on but i think i would have been more interested in the police procedural aspects if i didn't already have a pretty good idea of what was going on i did i did i wasn't there with you you didn't know she was time traveling no he knew that i mean until it got to the point where that was explained no oh wow okay okay interesting i was right there with the with the investigators okay all right well i'm so curious to hear your view when it comes to it might be because I feel like that would that like you clearly had a different experience with this than we did. Mm-hmm. Might be that, almost that be time. That'll be fun. Might be almost that time. I'm trying to think if I there's just, anything. Like, not else. much we can say without really spoiling this movie because 
so much of it hinges on the fact that there is time travel going on. Yes. And that's uh, it, actually. Fine. I made it sound like I had another point to make, but I don't. I think I can say without getting the spoilers that I thought um, our hero's daughter, as a nine-year-old, stole the show. She was great. Yeah. She doing a great performance. And I could have stayed. I could have. And, and that was some really good. That's where I started to get invested in the characters. Because you got a nine-year-old girl. It's her birthday. All she wants to go do is go to the zoo. And our mm-hmm. hero's like, all right, baby. I'm hungover, but we'll do it. <laughs> and, um... Oh wait, shit! I gotta work this case. And next there's thing a lot you know, of fun, like drunk dad stuff in this movie. Where, like he's trying, <laughs> he's trying so that's hard. That's a hashtag. That's a that's a phrase you don't hear often. Hashtag fun drunk dad stuff. <laughs> he's trying so hard, and it's so sad that he fails. I mean, there's a scene where he gives his daughter a, a little like trinket for her bracelet. Yeah, like a charm. About two thirds of the way through, a, a charm, and and she says. I haven't worn that bracelet in years, but thanks for trying. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. God, I've given a bad gift before, and that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yikes. So, so that was all good. I could have used a lot more of that. I could have spent a lot more time in 1997 when the girl was little and th- that was Totally, totally. Um, yeah. All right, Chris, let's review it because I feel like there's a lot to discuss um, beyond the basic plot mechanics of this movie. We're going to easily get into spoilers if we keep talking. Okay, I'll go first. Would you view it, cue it, or screw it? I would cue it. Uh, This movie held my attention throughout. Every scene Mm -hmm. held my attention. I did not get bored once, which is very high praise for some of these Netflix movies. Totally. That said, like... I don't know. I, like I said, I thought the characters were light. The thematic stuff that they, they pull out at the end didn't really hit home for me. So it's a, a mediocre movie overall, but it, it kept me entertained. Um, so I would say go ahead and watch it. But if you don't watch it, you're not really missing out on anything, especially if you've seen some of the other movies we've talked about that reminds us of. Patrick. I would go cue it to, um, you know, it's it's flawed. It sags a little in in a few different points but i i really liked the ending actually it was not quite what i was expecting and it was actually more thematically resonant to me and felt more um sort of timely i guess than i was expecting and more um sort of small and intimate than i was expecting especially the way that that weird opening shot sets it all up um yeah i enjoyed it it was something a little different not you know not great don't like rush out to see it but it's enjoyable (laughs) Steven? Uh, cue it as well, actually. Hmm. I, like Chris said, I was never bored during this movie. It's thoroughly entertaining, great performances, really great direction. Nice to see this director, um, whose name I can't think of off the top of my head, but I, I saw Stakeland and really loved it and have missed his last couple of films. But Jim Mickle. Jim Mickle. Uh, really exciting to see him leap into a bigger film you know with a wider worldview and bigger production values very predictable for me given that like very early on i cued into like oh this is the terminator um but i enjoyed the performances i enjoyed um the way that things were the drama was sort of doled out in doses throughout the film in a very intentional way and yeah there's not much more I can say without spoiling it. 
Mm-hmm. I have some problems with it as well, but we'll we'll save that for later. For yeah. the basement. I want to challenge you on how it's not the Terminator, but we definitely need to talk about that. I mean, it's the not the Terminator, room. but like it's it's impossible oh. to watch this movie without thinking of the Terminator for me, anyway. And but, we, all right, I, well, I texted you, Patrick, that it's a good thing Harlan Ellison isn't alive to sue. Uh, and we'll get into that in the spoiler. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see y'all down there. Go watch it or don't. The choice, as always, is yours. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh. You're right. You like that? I, like I kind of like that. Maybe I need to listen to some ASMR. Do they actually do that on ASMR? Yeah. Shit? Yeah. Like, let me just gently kiss you in the ear. <laughs> they whisper in touch things. This is me licking my beer bottle. There are there are more horrors in the spoiler room than usual today, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the horror of ASMR. All right, let's break this shit down. Are we gonna right? keep it? Are we gonna keep? Oh, we gotta keep the ASMR. We all right, all right. We were just doing it recreational. Beautiful thing. But, there. but now you get to hear it. I mean, the listeners are gonna want to hear this. Send us five dollars on the Patreon. We don't have if you want us to do some more ASMR. Listen, I'm, yeah, more on that later. I need to <laughs> indulge any perverts besides you two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Under the under the shadow, what, what the name of the in the shadow of the moon in the shadow of the shadow of the also like what is that about? It's like the whole cycle of the moon thing is. Nonsense. Oh, that's a great question. We nonsense. need to talk about that. Yeah. It's in the show. Because it's something to do with the lunar cycle. Every nine years, the moon yeah. does fucking you get a super moon something. Or something. It, it, who, it's who like cares? A, it's like one. Of, it's that. That's their hook. They like. We're like. They saw on Facebook that the the moon won't be this size again for nine years. That's and what they I were thought like, too. Oh fuck yeah! I'll put that in my script. I'm working on about the the. I mean, alcoholic cop. I guess theoretically, it has something to do with how the time travel thing operates. But that's where I could use a little exposition. I'm like, just, do, do we like, only get a super moon every nine years? years? Don't get no, we get one fuck. every year, as just, far as I know. Just don't throw me a bone and say the time machine only works every night. Like, just I think give me something aspi- to explain movie, why it has to be nine-year interval. This movie you know? aspires to something like poetic that it can never achieve. It's it's totally fine. It, cosmic occurrence every nine years, they can time travel. That's all I need to know. I don't give a fuck beyond that. In fact, every time the scientist guy showed up and tried to explain anything, I just I was like, no. Well, well, it's the thing. Like after fuck. the, I think it's like during the second occurrence of uh, the woman played by uh, what's the actress's name? Cleopatra. Cleopatra is her Jones. Name. Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> Cleopatra Carpenter. Uh, the second time she appears, this like scientist comes out of nowhere, like in the fucking police precinct, and yeah. is like basically like argues that there's obviously time travel going on. I was like, yeah. No shit. He's the guy. He's basically the guy from like the astronaut's wife who had the briefcase and all yeah. the papers. And it's like, exactly. listen, listen to me. And they're like, you're crazy. <laughs> Just walk by. He's he's the only guy who makes any goddamn sense. Oh man, tying it back to the concept. I love it. Yeah. So so basically, what's going on here is our our assassin is traveling through time to uh, stop a right wing militia group from inciting a civil war. 
timely story. Unfortunately, I don't feel like anything that happens in the linear timeline of this movie builds on that concept at all. Yeah, so this is that's my problem with this it. Is I my, think this is one of my problems with the movie. I said we weren't going to talk about Joker, but this is oh how <laughs> this is how it reminded me of Joker because this is a movie that invites a political dissection of what it's trying to say and and builds a political uh, motivation for the character. That's kind of you can see echoes of it in, in today's world, but it really doesn't have anything to say about it. No, there's no concern there. And it's like the idea, the ideology of these people who are starting the civil war is vaguely right wing yet vague enough that every American is going to watch this and be like, Oh yeah, I, I love this movie. And it's all like all the sort of right wing ideology and the time traveler, time travelers agenda is all dumped in exposition in the final act of this movie. Yes. Like, there's nothing before that that even connects to those ideas. Other than the opening shot. Other which, than that, which yeah. I feel like may have been an afterthought, as far as I know. The opening shot actually doesn't tell us anything. Like, all we know is, like, it's 20... What year is it? 2024. 2024, and we just see, like... Like, like the camera. It's it's post apocalyptic. Like an office building with the windows broken, and there's like cars on fire, and that's it. Well, but, and the flag and the flag, this creepy flag that's like a that I don't remember. Yeah, the flag was the most. Yeah, yeah, it's the most important. It is, it is prominent, <laughs> the defining element of that shot. <laughs> yeah, but if you're just like watching the movie opening, it's like I. I don't know. I could see that not really meaning anything. And there's nothing else in the film aside from exposition that ties all of that together. Well, the for me, for me the opening shot hung Try over. That again. Don't yawn. <laughs> for me, the opening shot hung over the whole movie is either the assassin is trying to start this post-apocalyptic world or trying to avert this post-apocalyptic world. I wondered that as well, but I think I was. Perhaps assuming that this movie aspired to something more elevated than what it well, is it, it kind of does. We'll, we'll get into that. I'm okay. Sure. But, I mean, I, I wasn't sure. I guess sort of where my head was. I, I, I don't know. I wasn't thinking too much about it. I guess, but I was just assuming that maybe something that the assassin did inadvertently led to that. I, I wasn't really thinking about it in terms of them intentionally trying to either create or avert that future for most of the movie well it's it's fairly early on it's in the like second encounter i think in like 1997 when the assassin is like you don't know what you're doing this is for the greater good or something like that something that signals that like you know and then she saves the guy's life because because they she like crashes their plane and throws him out or something i don't know it's but let's just you want to get to the big spoiler? Well, well, I, no, I want to touch briefly on what you guys were just talking about with the, you know, how you don't really see the right-wing ideology really played out in the movie otherwise. I don't think you need to because the whole point is that this more or less parallels a lot of things that are going on in our society right now. Like, we know how that's playing out and we all know, like, some of the fears that arise around how some of the ideology in our country might continue to play out and how political polarization might continue to play out like this is not a far stretch like we don't need someone to spell out the details for us of how right-wing ideology could 
take hold in our country. That's right true, now. but I, sure. I almost hesitate to call it right wing ideology. There's one, I mean, other than the fact that we generally associate right wingers with like having a wall full of guns and like, you know, sending things out called like the Patriot Memo or whatever the hell. <laughs> like, I almost hesitate to call them right wing because it's so ambiguous what they stand for that. You know, you only see glimpses of their newsletters quite deliberately. Like, they don't have an ideology in the movie. I think it was left deliberately vague to not alienate right-wing people in the audience. I disagree with that. However, my main frustration was that, like, okay, this whole thing is about averting this, like, right-wing... This this mass, like, right-wing infiltration. And there's nothing in the like present time segments of this movie that ties into that at all. It's all about this character that is obsessed with this case. What do you mean by present time? um, The linear timeline of like the Boyd Holbrook character every nine years, like getting back into this case, even after he's like no longer a, a, a cop or detective, there's nothing in his story that hints at the larger picture at hand. And that was my main problem with this film. It's like, okay, if you're going to try and build to this whole movie is about trying to, this character from the future, trying to avoid this catastrophe that is spawned by like right wing ideologues. I'd like to see like what's going on in the world around him during the scenes where we're following him. Mm, now they almost give you that. And you almost. know what? Here's a missed opportunity because this movie also has like a, a vague but deliberate racial politics in a few scenes mm-hmm. where um, early on, like in 1988, when they identify the suspect as a black woman in a, in a hoodie, you see a montage, which is a fairly gratuitous montage. It doesn't really connect to anything else in the movie where you see that they've like done a dragnet and just arrested every black woman in a hoodie they could possibly find. And they're Which, like, did hoodies exist in the Was that a yeah, thing? I, probably, yeah, of course. Probably. Okay. But, um, Just wondering. You know, so, so Rocky you, wore a hoodie. So you get some um, profiling. I think. <laughs> you think? Probably. Rocky wears a hoodie. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, but it's it's not enough. Like, those, like, the moments where, like, that, like, it seems like they're touching on, like, current racial issues in whatever time we're in in this film are. Uh, they're few and far between and they're very lightly handled. I agree. I agree. And that's the other thing that reminds me of Joker. It's like, let's show this social unrest. Let's, let's flirt with these themes, but we're not really, they're just there. We're not taking a side on anything. Um, Yeah. This movie's not committed to it. And that's why like, ultimately like I would love, like I love where this film winds up and like what the ultimate like message of it is, but there's, there aren't enough seeds scattered throughout the film until then to make me, really buy into that let me blow your mind here's how we fix this please movie. do here's how we fix this movie so in 1988 cast we... joaquin phoenix as boy <laughs> character first of all in 1988 you know we see this like racial profiling thing this thing come up and in 1997 on the nine-year anniversary of the murders there's protests in the streets with racial subtext because 
of the... Oh, I'm on board. Already, I'm like, I had this thought. I think we're on the same path. This is what I wanted this movie to be. The, please continue. The, 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 there's there's protests with a racial, the racially charged protests because the, the, the villain, the time-traveling assassin, is a black woman who is yeah. killed by yeah. the police under very weird circumstances, and people still want answers about it, much like mm-hmm. the police still want answers about it. And then that's the last we see of that thread maybe this would be a more interesting movie if the events around our character actually became inciting incidents that in that created the polarity and the right-wing militia and everything like exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And then Thank you would you. have a you would have a paradox, kind of a time paradox where you have this time-traveling assassin who went back in time to stop the the war. But actually, her going back in time to stop the war is what started the war. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris, for articulating that. And that was another major problem for me with this movie is like the time travel element seems to be a narrative convenience. So you're saying you would have preferred it if the black woman was the problem herself? Well, no, yeah, that's not. This sounds extremely problematic. No. Well, to no. Me. Well, no. I agree because you could read it that way, and maybe that's why they didn't do it because they didn't want to. Uh, they didn't want to both sides it that hard, or they didn't want to blame like Black Lives Matter for for right wing, uh, right wing sympathies being inflamed. Maybe they deliberately chose not to do that for that reason. The fact is, like, but it would be our- more interesting. Like Steve saying, there should be some connective tissue. It would be more interesting, I think. In a time travel story like this, like there should be some kind of paradox there should be something some sort of like time travel problem rather than time travel being used merely as a convenience of storytelling at the end of the movie when they recap the initial three deaths in the film i still felt cold i didn't understand like why those people had to die i knew that like somehow they were connected tangentially to what happens like 40 years down the road but those deaths meant nothing ultimately i would rather there be this time travel paradox in which yeah maybe something risky like a black person being killed by the police spawns this alt-right movement but well, there I, is a time travel paradox in that she's already died. Like that's the thing. At but the it's end so of the movie. Ch- it's so cheap and easy, though. Like I, I don't know. I, I guess I've, I've read a lot of. Um, one of my passions is reading uh, like time travel short stories, like science fiction short stories, mm-hmm. um, and I I love like solving those puzzles. There's not really a puzzle to be had here. Everything is a little bit too convenient for my taste. I mean, I. I I was trying to work out in my head how this was all working. I I kept going, oh, wait, so he's already, oh, she already knows. So how's it? It was was twisting my brain into a little pretzel. (laughs) Like I like how time travel stories do that sometimes. But ultimately, it's it's a very cheap device to achieve the final act of this film. There's not really anything. there's, There's no reason for there to be time travel in this movie, frankly. What? I, I don't know if I can get on board with that sentiment. Well, it, this movie wouldn't look, exist look, without the, it, but the, I, I feel like there's a... Uh, okay. The movie's thesis is somewhat interesting in that a po- it draws a contrast from The Terminator, where you know The Terminator obviously is the machines are trying to go back and eliminate 
one guy who is the leader of the resistance. Yeah. This movie says, you know what? We you can't the lead, the leadership of the resistance is a hydra and arbitrary. So what we're going is we're going farther back and we're eliminating everyone who's fathers, who is, mothers, friends. Yes, fathers, yeah. mothers, friends. We're eliminating every all these normal innocent people who are sympathetic to the idea and let it get a foothold. Which, now that I've said it that it's way... It's a fucking it's actually, sinister idea. You know what? Yeah, it is a sinister idea. And it, is, it does have a lot of implications for our present day. And like, you know... Yeah, I mean, I really like the concept. I don't need to know what each of those individual people, like what each of their role was going to be in this whole thing taking root. I think it's more interesting. I mean, because if you got into that, it would make no fucking sense. Well, I think like, the point is when that it comes they don't have a role. What... what, what well, they, they play some role. They play a role, but it's, it's, it's just the... The idea they carried the idea they they propagated the idea that created yeah. the people who did right. the bad things right yeah and if you picked that apart too much I mean it's absolutely ridiculous because she kills what I think 20, 15 or twenty people or something like that all told and like obviously it's going to take more than that to to eliminate this ideology but if you like dug into individually what each of those people's roles were it would kind of fall apart it's a more interesting idea if if you're when you apply it to our current reality like you don't need to know what's going on in 88 or 97 or whatever because it's you know it's set up to be a close analog of our current reality and we know what history has been like for the last 30 years you know I feel like this movie is just not very well balanced. I think that might be my my main problem with it is like it it wants to be this like heavy sort of time travel like how do we avoid a civil war sort of scenario, but it's mostly focused on characters that are very underdeveloped. Can we talk about how it's a sinister idea some more? You said that's a very sinister idea. It is, and I feel like the movie treats it as such. Like it feels like there's like a there there there's sort of a lingering sense of like, oh, this is an experiment that mm, it feels I, sinister I to me. Oh, and, it, yeah. And, and by the sure. by the end of the movie, though, our hero has kind of gotten on board with the idea, and I think we're supposed to get on board with the idea. But it ah uh, the. I think you're intended to have complex feelings about it. I had complex feelings about it. I was like, okay, this is succeeding, but it is also kind of fucked up that we're killing these people who seem to be just kind of living normal lives. But hey, you know what? The fry cook was probably like spouting off some racist ass, you know, fascist views to somebody and probably planted a certain idea in somebody's head. And, you know, where's it going? That's that's all conjecture. Like, I think the problem with this movie is like, it's taking too many ideas and trying to cram them into an hour and 40 minutes. Like it, feels very unfocused to me i wouldn't mind i'm down with what it's trying to do but i don't think it does it very well let me let me let me put out a hot take i would not have minded another half hour of this movie i'm with you if it used it responsibly i'd like to see why the fry cook died why did like Eh, did the the i don't want to know i'm with patrick no, I'm talking about like a simple moment. Like maybe there's something like the pianist who dies. You know why they die? They die because they were reading this fucked up right wing newsletter. Yeah, but we don't know that when they die. The we pianist wasn't. The no, that was pre newsletter. No, the newsletter was going out to all of them. They all carried them around in their in their books with the founding fathers. But on. I'd like to see an opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yes, and I would like to the see the guy him. wasn't even writing the newsletter until ninety. Was it ninety seven? No, the guy was writing the newsletter the whole time. That was in eighty eight. They didn't kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. I'd like to see an opening scene, like those three people who die in the first like ten minutes of this movie. I'd like to just see them like on the street on the way to where they're they're headed to work, and they like exude like micro or macro aggressions <laughs> toward like minorities just very briefly just like a sense of like oh this guy's not all right and then he dies i that would have like that's that would have made the movie the point. i, I that's, agree that, yeah because the whole point is that these all seem like ordinary innocuous people yeah they're guilty of thought crime they're guilty of they're having the wrong sympathies and allowing something bad to happen which plays into the sinister. Yeah, which is sinister. I, I got to plug Noam Chomsky here for a bit because please, you know. because like <laughs> I, I had zero complex thoughts watching this movie. Well, it's just I'd like to hear you know so, someone emailed Noam Chomsky and was like, "Hey, we got Nazis in the streets again. Is it okay to punch them?" And Noam Chomsky's point was, "Well, apart from the problematic ethics of that, it's not practical because when you when you let the debate be settled with violence." the people who win the debate are going to be the people most capable of violence. And that usually isn't the good guys. Mm. So to answer the question, is it okay to kill people to uh, prevent because of their ideas to prevent a future civil war? Well, then you're just letting the future civil war get decided by whoever is most ruthless about killing people. And those probably aren't the people you'll want to, to win. All right, that's wonderful. Um, but this is a movie that we all give a cue it to, and I think we can agree that it's a little bit of a mess and leaves a lot to be desired in the philosophical. Department. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the movie is really. I think we're thinking about it maybe more than the movie did, but it, it, it brings that's up some interesting, to, interesting yeah. ideas. I, like, and I mean, you know, it's it's not brilliant. It's not a perfect philosophical statement. But actually, the ending and, and a lot of the stuff that we're talking about right now was some of my favorite parts of the movie, to be honest. If you think I'm reading too much into the movie there, wait till you hear what I think about the other twist. Which is, oh, that it's his granddaughter. The ultimate twist is that the so, assassin is the granddaughter no. of our hero. Ugh. I was fine with that. I was grossed out by that a little bit. One reason I was grossed out by that is because they kind of did the like Spider-Man homecoming thing where it's like, oh, look, a biracial black character. You would never have thought that it would be the granddaughter of this white guy. Mm. And then they, and then as soon as she revealed that, they like (laughs) cut to the like, you know, they inserted a shot of like the, his daughter in the hospital giving birth with like her black husband or boyfriend who we've never seen before. Never in the entire like, film until then like it's like gotcha and it's like Ugh. that was a weird gotcha moment for me weird gotcha moment. a little but, uncomfortable but whatever it's fine whatever they got what they wanted they surprised me but what is it what does it ultimately mean that it's a, that it's his granddaughter like for the film for the narrative for the story what does that mean well i, felt- I mean basically just that it's the twist is in the fact that he encouraged her to go back in the first place this person that he's been trying to catch capture kill potentially for so long he actually is the one who sent her on this mission but we never see i i i appreciate that but we never see when that happens and i would have liked to see that rather than having 
that exposition of the granddaughter telling him that that's what happened. Hmm. This movie does so much telling and not showing, and it bothers the fuck out of me. How would you have wanted that presented in that moment? Just to show that scene. You want a flash forward at that moment? Not a flash forward at that moment, but I would like to see him at some point, and again, I don't know, I'm not much of a screenwriter, though I try, but I would rather see that happen than have her tell him that that's what happens in the future. Like that's not dramatically I don't know exciting for Yeah, practical. no, it's it's interesting. It's that's it's interesting, but I it's don't a know problem if it's I don't important. know how to solve. But I did not like the way it was handled. I don't know if that's actually important to what the the theme of the movie because the movie is a the whole movie is about the tension between this guy's obsession with these murders and his private life and his relationship with his daughter and his family. That's the zodiac part of the movie. That's the that's the over that's the driving theme of the movie. That's the con that's the really the conflict in every yeah. every time we see this guy. Yeah. So at the end, turns so we have out Z- we have Zodiac and we have the Terminator. Yeah. There's two different movies going on here. And but then at the end he finds out that oh the killer is actually his granddaughter. And it comes at the moment when his daughter is giving birth. You know, the, 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 right? And, we're in and, like 2006. And she's like, I think at this point. and they're calling him on the phone, saying, "Hey, she's going into labor. Give up this damn chase and go be with your daughter. It's what your wife would have wanted." You know, come on, man. She shows up and she's like, "Oh, I'm your granddaughter." And all of a sudden, his two worlds become aligned, and he gets a second chance to be a father and to live for something besides the murders again. And so then it's necessary for him to get on board with the cause because he has to lose his interest in, in stopping the killer. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think it's kind of clumsy um, screenwriting and directing. It's kind of crazy. It what what, what yeah. boggles me, and, and I would have to watch it again to really die on this hill, but it seems like her revealing this information at that point is extremely arbitrary and that she could have revealed that information at any other point during the rest of the movie. Well, she, you mean the granddaughter Yes, from the future? Yes. Well, because no, she wouldn't reveal it sooner because she had a mission. She had to kill certain people. But she's going backwards by the time she meets him in the train station and, and, and suggests that she knows his future. She's already killed everyone. She's going to kill. So why would she not say, Hey, I'm your granddaughter. You don't remember this, but I've told you this before. I'm your granddaughter. I'm from the future. Because he, yeah, you're right. Because he, he keeps getting in her way. Like, yes. why wouldn't she just cut that off and be like, leave me the fuck alone. This is what I'm doing. Let me do it. And then maybe not get thrown in front of a train. Yeah. So I don't know. But I don't, he wouldn't remember that in 88. That's the first time he sees her. Right. I, I'm saying that she talks to him in 88, but she makes no attempt. That's to... the third time she's talked to him. It's the first time he's talked. Right. To her. But she makes no, she knows that she knows this and makes no attempt to say what she says to him. Right. First what, time he sees her. Because what yeah, good is it going to do it? Why does she obfuscate with like in allowing him to. What good does it do? Why does it do good the first time she sees him, but not the last time she sees him? Why can't I, she have told him? I mean, listen. It's a genre movie. It's a right. Yeah. I mean, you got. We all keep comparing it to Terminator. Terminator is one of the great B movies of all time, and this is like a slight grade above B movie. But it's you know? it's no. A, I would say it's, this is. A it's B not movie. made. To, this is a B movie. This is not a thinker. It's not made to hold up to this intense scrutiny. No, works. it's just. I mean, it's you got, a, when it's you a, a little. It's twist. a little entertaining ride with a little twist. A little. T- 
time machine fucking political fucking whatever genre bending thing well you have it, someone just revealing and expe- yes they should put that on the dvd uh case <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's in my mind quote. it's a bullshit movie that tries to say something big about uh, like american politics and race relations and has nothing to say about it like it tries to th- like make you think that that's what it's about. I don't think it's, it's trying to say anything. Big. I don't think it's trying to even be about that. It's not about that. It's about family. It's about the tension between solving the case and being with your daughter. Oh God! If that's what it's about, it really fails. That's what it's about. I and might you know give what? this movie a screw no, it the more it, we I mean, talk about it, it. It's consistent in that way, and it kind of worked for me. And you know, um, this is this is where I'm going to go off the deep end. Because oh fuck! We haven't done that already. <laughs> for me. I was like, here's a guy who's like, he's he's just so caught up in this cause of his. And yeah. it could be any cause. In this case, it's a murder. But, you know, I'm thinking about, like, what what am I worried about? What obsesses my thoughts? You know, I'm very anxious about, like, climate change and stuff. Like, I feel like I need to do everything I can to stop that. What am I missing out on? You know, like, you, you gotta stop. You gotta smell the roses. You gotta spend time with your family. You gotta appreciate the good while you have it rather than waste it because you're afraid of losing it. This movie, while it might want to communicate that message, does not. I don't know. I know that. But like, but it, 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 it puts the ideas in my head because it, it does present a fairly it's a universal enough, theme. It's a bad enough movie that like it can put many ideas in your head <laughs> because it doesn't have a clear vision. Well, yeah, that's which true. Which I, I also... I appreciate that as well because I have my own takeaways from this film. Like I have my own little things I latched onto, especially involving family. But this movie is incredibly unfocused. It's true, and you know we already reviewed it, so I'm not trying to really defend it on those. Sure, yeah. I'm just saying it's it's interesting. But I like that you took that away from it. Yeah. I appreciate that. There's something there. There's definitely something, and I don't think I would have made that connection in my head if the movie had just totally shit the bed on expressing that theme. The theme's there. Is it the best possible way it could have been presented? Hell no. But. I kind of actually, I will say this in this movie's defense. I like that it doesn't have like a hard message. It's trying to ram down your throat. It leaves it kind of open ended. Unfortunately, like there's not enough material in any of the ways you could interpret this that would leave anyone satisfied, no matter what they were looking for. But at least it isn't trying to just sort of ram a saccharine idea down your throat i was satisfied i found the i thought the ending was obviously not earth shattering or anything but i found it politically relevant and emotionally relevant both in like sort of light ways that surprised me and you know faded from my memory quite quickly after i finished the movie but i enjoyed it it was fine yeah it was fine it was a a fun movie so it's great but you'll forget about it pretty quickly absolutely yeah you know you can say much worse about many of the things that we've watched in this journey oh yeah comparing this to anything else we've watched like this was a fucking blast <laughs> all right so chris you get to pick the movie that we're viewing next what are we watching it's a sacred duty you know and it, it, i felt very anxious about this because you know our next episode is going to be coming out on halloween oh wow. are you fucking kidding me i'm not fucking kidding i'm so you. excited and and so i i looked at the list and i was trying to find something that was like very halloween appropriate except for halloween the movie yeah halloween. right no ha- yeah or any we've already done that interpretation but of it. yeah 
I was very disappointed to see the Halloween selection, despite Netflix and Chills, is just not very strong well, this year. We got fucking duped this week. This was not even a horror movie. Yeah, and I, I was looking for something that would just kind of pop, and, and like Bram Stoker's Dracula, something that would pop as a good old Halloween-y movie. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find one. What did you find, though? I decided we're going to watch Insidious. Oh, oh yeah, I'm down. I'm so down. <laughs> I've been wanting to watch Insidious like forever. That's been in my queue. It's it's I guess a literal queue it, even though I've seen it yeah. before and would give it a view it. I'm just spoiling that I, right now. Because view I know you're prejudice. a fan, Chris, I've been excited to find time to rewatch the Insidious movies. Yeah, so. I'm I'm a huge fan of Insidious. Oh, if only all three chapters were on. <laughs> Are there four now? Yeah, there's, there's like five. There's like four or five now. Fuck. Last key, I think, is five. Right. Okay. But mind. but yeah, um, you know, I just thought a, a movie that I'm very passionate about. It's a view it from me, and uh, it's it's. Oh, all... so we don't even need to <laughs> t- pause to take your review. Well, that, right, I haven't rewatched. Time. Reviewed too. View it with prejudice. I haven't rewatched it, so we'll see. Okay. Yeah, sometimes true. sometimes ratings degrade as the more you watch a movie. But yeah, you know, it's just a good little fun spooky romp that I think has some good spooky Halloween energy. I'm gonna bust out my dipe dipes for this one. Yeah, it's gonna be spooky. Alright. Yeah, so join us on Halloween and we'll be talking about Insidious. Ooh. And in the meantime, follow us on social media at Amoncast. Leave us a review. <laughs> Please give us five stars. <laughs> Until then, I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. And I'm Chris. For every horror movie on Netflix. See you next time.